Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. Reading from the New International Version of the Bible, Luke chapter 17. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. He replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Now suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, Come now, sit down and eat? Won't he rather say, Prepare my supper, Get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink, and afterward you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, We are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, There he is, or here he is. Do not go running after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up until the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day of the Son of Man. On that day, 
No one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be left in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, Where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Jesus begins this chapter talking about things that cause people to stumble. And he goes on to mention forgiveness. He says, So watch for yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. And so this verse 3, rebuke them, what does that mean? It means tell them that they have sinned against you. Explain to them what's transpired and explain how it makes you feel. And then if they repent, you are obligated before Christ to forgive them. And he goes on in verse 4 and says, Even if they sin against you seven times in one day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Now, friends, this is a huge issue, not only in the church but in the world. Unforgiveness has consequences, not for the person who doesn't receive forgiveness, but for the person that doesn't extend forgiveness. First, There are actually physical and emotional consequences of holding unforgiveness in your heart. When you have time, go and do a little internet search on unforgiveness and pain, especially unforgiveness and back pain. It's been linked to certain types of arthritis. Of course, not all back pain is a result of unforgiveness, and not all arthritis is a result of unforgiveness. But the point is, it can have physical consequences. As you're holding unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart towards someone, it can actually hurt you. It certainly won't hurt the person that you're holding the unforgiveness for, but it does have consequences for you. It's also been shown things like ulcers can be a result of anxiety and unforgiveness is part of the cause of anxiety or can be a cause of anxiety. So they're natural consequences, but more importantly, they're spiritual consequences. Jesus says, you must forgive them. These are the words of Christ. And when teaching on the Lord's Prayer, he says specifically, Our Father who art in heaven, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. And so this idea of linking our forgiveness to our willingness to extend forgiveness is contained in the teachings of Christ, even in the Lord's Prayer. So it's a big deal. And then in verse 5, the apostles uh, change the subject and they say to the Lord, increase our faith. And his response is very puzzling at first glance, because he he gives a little story about servants doing what they're supposed to do, and then coming and saying, we're unfruitful servants, we're unworthy servants, we've only done our duty. In verse 9, he says, will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do, so you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, we're unworthy servants, we've only done our duty. So what's Jesus saying there? The request was, increase our faith. And he talks about being a servant and doing what you're told to do. I believe that Jesus is explaining a principle of the kingdom, that as we live by the precepts of Christ and the words of Scripture, our faith will increase as we apprehend the truths contained in the Word of God and we apply them to our daily lives. These things in and of themselves increase our trust in God and our faith in God and our faith in God's Word. So as we demonstrate our obedience 
to the words of Jesus and the words of the Scriptures. We are, in fact, uh, extending our faith in the Lord because we're living by those things we believe, and our faith is just naturally increased. Jesus, I believe, was saying that we're supposed to do these things as our duty. And in doing this, it's nothing special. We're just unworthy servants. We're doing what we're supposed to do. But in the course of living our lives in obedience to the Word of God, our faith will indeed increase. He gives another little story about some lepers who were healed, and uh, 10 of them were healed, and only one of them came back. In verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan, and Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Friends, this is another kingdom principle. Remember, this chapter started out talking about things that cause people to stumble. A lack of gratitude is a huge flaw in someone's character. And so in this case, ten men were healed, and only one came back to thank Jesus for his healing. And Jesus' response was, where are the other nine? Friends, the thanksgiving window of heaven is always open. The Lord loves people full of gratitude. The complaint window of heaven is always closed. The Lord does not enjoy or entertain grumbling and complaining. But he responds well to thankful people who are full of gratitude. When I was in Bible school, my wife and I were in a financial position to help a number of young people that were struggling to pay their tuition. And so we helped a number of them, and there was one certain young man that we helped among the many. And years went by, and I forgot that we had helped the young man until a certain day he came to me and thanked me profusely for helping him through Bible school. Now, this young man had become a very prominent person. If I were to name him, many of you might recognize his name. But what happened to all the others that we helped? None of them ever came back and said, thank you so much for helping me through school with my tuition money. See, it was our honor and our privilege to help all of them. But this young man demonstrated a thankful heart. He was full of gratitude. And the Lord actually raised him up to um, one of the highest pinnacles of ministry. As I said, he's a known individual. He has a worldwide ministry, has offices in a number of different countries. He's on television and does huge ministry around the world. But I've often wondered if his heart of gratitude and his thankfulness, not only towards us, but towards others, was part of the key of the Lord being able to use him. You see, we helped many, but only the one came back and thanked us. Don't let the same be said of you, friends. When the Lord responds and is gracious to you, be thankful. Be full of gratitude towards the Lord on the various things of the Lord. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation, verse 33. All who are obsessed with being secure in life will lose it, including their lives. But those who let go of their lives and surrender them to me will discover true life. And so we're not supposed to be focused on this life. We're supposed to be focused on the kingdom of God. We're not supposed to be focused on our own needs and our own wants and our own desires. We're supposed to be focused on the needs and wants and desires of the king and the kingdom. You see, Jesus is a king, and he does have a kingdom. We're subjects to the king. This life is about preparation to the next life. And so today, We need to be focused on the things of eternity and not on the things of this world. Lord, I pray first that we would be found with grateful hearts. Lord, I ask that we would be people of gratitude. We are grateful, Lord. 
I'm grateful having this opportunity to speak to people. I'm grateful for Jesus. I'm grateful for your influence in my life. So, Lord, let us be first and foremost people of gratitude. But also, Lord, let us be people who are quick to forgive others. Lord, you're quick to forgive us. May we be quick to forgive others when they sin against us. And, Lord, may we willingly submit our lives in all things and surrender them to you so that we will find true life here and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.